Welcome back to another episode of the Case Conley Podcast. Today we have a special guest. He's a three-time regional champion, three-time state semifinalist. He won a state championship in 2021, and he's a three-team, or three-time, excuse me, AP first-team all-state in Michigan. He's committed to go play at Northern Iowa. RJ, how you doing? RJ Taylor, how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so obviously I kind of want to start with kind of the beginning of high school for you. Uh, you're an eighth grader freshman playing up with Parallel 45 back in the day. How was that kind of experience of playing up with them and the 16U, 17U divisions? How did that help your game, especially once you made it to junior, senior high school? Um, it helped my game at a young age, like playing against older guys. You know, playing with and against them was kind of helped my development because they're always bigger and faster. So uh, just be able to find ways to contribute and do what I do against people, you know, that are older, just kind of helped me out and helped me transition to the high school game. And obviously kind of, you, you, you played with parallel 45 for a couple of years, then you moved to main streets and the Nike EYBL team. How was that experience? How did that help? Not only your game, but also like your recruitment playing on that EYBL circuit and obviously playing with a group of great players. Yeah, I'm forever grateful for my experience with the Mean Streets and the EYBL. Uh, Coach Ty Streets did a great job with us. And uh, it was kind of eye-opening just, uh, you know, you're playing against the best in the country. You know, and my first year I was playing up a grade. And uh, I felt like I, you know, did my thing. And it kind of opened up like a world of opportunity, you know, to get your name out there to recruiters and scouts and all that. So, um, you know, when you play at the highest level, it kind of gives you confidence too. Like, hey, you know, this guy might you know, five-star or something like that, but, you know, I can play with them. So it kind of gives you confidence in yourself and kind of gives you back, makes you uh, want to keep working. And, and kind of how surreal was it? Because, I mean, especially as, like, freshmen and eighth graders, we're always thinking, like, ah, we get to play against the EYBL team this tournament. And all of a sudden, you kind of became that kid on the EYBL team. Did that kind of give you, like, a different mentality from, like, wow, I actually made it to the top now? Right, yeah, because you're right. I, I know what it's like to be like on both sides of it you know there's but also like playing and i know what it's like to be the other kids so it's like you know when you play against those teams you got you know that they have to have a chip on their shoulder because you know they're going to come at you there's a target on your back so um there's definitely uh it's definitely cool to be on both sides of it and uh and yeah it's it's been a blessing for sure and so obviously your great career at grand blank you guys won the state title your sophomore year uh, we just kind of talked about it a little earlier. Like, it's just a grind. Like, like how can you, like, explain, especially, like, people don't really get it, like, making it to the semifinals three years in a row, especially in Class A, how, how tough was that for you guys? But also as, as like, a bonding experience for you guys, how did yeah, that really there, go? There's, like, some some memories that I'll never forget, just, like, in practices and, and conditionings, like, working out. But, like, it's more mental than anything, like, the first, our first year, we won 15 in a row my freshman year. And then COVID canceled our season in the middle of the playoffs. So we were feeling good about that. And then we spent the next year and a half just, you know, grinding with our mindset on winning a state title. And uh, we had to knock off some 
like number one, two, three teams in the state to get there. And then, you know, it's just such a grind. Like it's when we, we want it. And then once you win it and you get there, there's a target on your back. You know, people want to beat you. And that's just the reality of it when, when you win. And, you know, we kept making it back, but it gets harder every single year just because people get tired of seeing you win. They want to they have what you have. So uh, we had a target on our back, but also it made us better because of that. And and winning the state title, I think it was the first state title in like 65 plus years. First in school history, first time I made the semifinals and it's like 65 plus years. How important was that not only to the school, but also the community? The fact that you guys really started this movement and now obviously making it to the semifinals three years in a row, you you guys are a bona fide basketball superpower, to be honest, in the state of Michigan. Yeah, it was, it was really kind of surreal because. Grand Blank's never really been known for basketball except for the last couple, like, five, six years. And so uh, for us to go from never winning a state title, having it be 70 years, whatever it is, since we've even made the stop at Breslin, um, it was kind of surreal to see, like, how it changed. And, you know, the community and everyone kind of rallied behind us. And it's kind of crazy how, like, just by creating a winning culture and doing the right thing and working hard, you can really create that standard. And we really turn Grand Blank into like a state like perennial power you know it's a, a team that is talked about a lot which it never really was so you're going to northern Iowa what, what set northern Iowa apart especially compared to the other schools that you had visited or gotten offered by uh yeah northern Iowa is definitely a special place um just something about like the people there it just they really care and uh and I, I'm not that no no other schools like that, but uh, they just kind of set themselves above everybody else with their their winning culture, their their passion, uh, and how they play the game. And it's the guys on the team are great. The st- coaching staff is great, and it's just I see myself fitting in there on and off the court. So that was important for me. And yeah, kind of like you said, they obviously have a great winning tradition at Northern Iowa. They've made the tournament multiple, multiple times, and you're stepping into maybe the best non-Power 5 conference in the country, in the Missouri Valley. How how ready are you for that kind of just, you're playing at maybe a, a conference that's very similar to some of the bigger conferences like the American and like even the Pac-12 at that, at some point. Yeah, I'm really excited about joining the Valley. Um, just watching the games, like it's super physical. Like you have to, it's like, it's, it's not a no-nonsense league. Like you have to come with it. And that's what I'm excited for the most. Like, and like these teams know each other too. Like, there's no there's no easy game at all. So I'm excited for that. And usually the winner of the valley goes on in the tournament and does pretty good. So, uh, so I'm really excited to join the valley. There's, I know there's a lot of history there, so that's what I'm looking forward to. And, and and when you when you made that decision, obviously you had a couple offers from some of the other schools. And were you ever? in between kind of what you want to do? Yeah. Was it one of those things where kind of as soon as you stepped on campus, you kind of like felt it and kind of knew? Yeah, um, I give a lot of credit to like uh, the assistant coach, uh, Seth Tuttle. Um, we created a great bond like right away in the recruiting process. And before I even stepped foot on campus, I felt like I knew like so much about it just from hearing his stories and even talking to some of the guys on the team. So by the time I stepped on campus, it was like, like, I felt like I knew so much about it. It kind of started to felt, kind of felt like home right when I kind of stepped on campus, just because I felt like I belonged there. So, kind of talking about, especially the state of Michigan, I always thought the state of Michigan never really gets the respect they deserve, especially when it comes to basketball. Just, I mean, if you look at the players and even the teams that have come out of this, 
when you talk about because you obviously play in top teams in Michigan for three, four years, do, do you think it's up to par with a lot of the other states? And especially when you travel to EYBL, a lot of these Michigan kids do pretty well on the circuit. So what do you, what does that say? Do you think the state of Michigan as growing as a basketball state powerhouse? Yeah, I think it's definitely underrated. You know, there's a lot of talent in Michigan. And if you just look at like, like even guys around the Flint area, you know, Jay Nunn would play good years at VCU and now he's transferring somewhere in the big 12 or Keon Menefield just transferred back to Ar- Arkansas. You know, there's just a lot of talent in the area and, uh, and sometimes it's not seen right away around the five stars or on that stuff like that. But, you know, I feel like guys in Michigan kind of have that edge to them where over time, you know, they get to college and they, they do good and, you know, and things kind of work out for them. So, And, and you played in that SBL, one of the, if not the toughest conferences in the state, how did that kind of grind of a conference and playing those unique different teams really get you guys ready for making these postseason runs? Yeah, uh, we can't always harp here in Grand Blank. Like, the season's not the 22-game regular season. It's it's the eight game. You know, who cares if we lose the third game of the year, you know? Um, so we really challenge ourselves. You know, we have some tough teams in our conference. But then also in the non-conference, we schedule, like, the top two or three schedules in the state every single year. And, you know, there's sometimes early on in the year we're going to lose some. So playing in the SVL, maybe the toughest league, in the state of Michigan, how did that really prepare you guys for some of these postseason runs when you had to play some of these top teams just in your own conference, in your own area? Yeah, it definitely prepared us, not just like in the games, but also like the environments. Like a lot of times we'll play like Carmen Ainsworth and it's a sold out game, you know, and it, and that gets us ready for March as well as a tough non-conference schedule. You know, we play the best of the best and we don't care about the 20 game regular season. We care about the eight game playoffs. That's what we year everything towards is the eight games in March. And uh, and like you said, the games in SVL really help us because we get a great environment, you know, and that kind of prepares us to play at the Breslin Center in the quarterfinal where the gym's packed. And obviously you're part of a huge basketball family. What was it like growing up and watching your sisters make it to the collegiate level? And obviously with your dad being a former coach, what, what was that kind of experience to to watch them grow up Kind of set goals for yourself. Yeah, it was it was awesome. You know, just being a basketball family starting when I was really young. You know, I'm always uh, you know, I was always playing in the backyard with my older sisters and with my dad being a coach, my mom being a former player. Like we just kind of like understood the game at a young age. And uh, and growing up, I give a lot of credit to my sisters. Like following their journey and seeing what they had to go through with AU at high school and college has really grown me. Like to see how they handled it and uh, and everything like that. It was uh. I'm really lucky to have looked up to them and uh and they definitely played a big part in like who I am today just uh just based off like watching them and being a part of it. So kind of being able to obviously watch March Madness and watch some of the conference tournaments how does it what's kind of the mentality now that you're actually going to be a part of that and making the run trying to get to March Madness and obviously Northern Iowa's made a couple runs in the past 10 years where they made it to Sweet 16. What, what is it like to be a part of a program that, that that's an expectation is to actually make it into March and be a part of the national tournament? Yeah, it's definitely cool. Like, uh, like I feel like if Northern Iowa is in Sweet 16 next year, I don't think many people would be surprised. You know, that's just because that's just the expectation that they've created throughout the last 10 years or so. But um, it's one of those things where like you grow up 
growing up, you just think about that, like when you're working out as a kid in the backyard, like an opportunity. And I, I feel like, uh, you know, we're gonna get some chances here in the next four years, and I just have to be ready for my opportunity and just take the most of it. You know, because it, it's really a, like a once in a lifetime opportunity that m- many people hope they hope they can achieve. So uh, I'm just gonna be ready to go and just do whatever I can to put us in the spot to make it. So obviously, you've played with a crazy amount of teammates through Grant Blank through Mean Streets. Who do you think was really the teammate that you best kind of clicked with? And you think when it came to your games, you guys kind of collaborated the best with? Yeah, I got this one's kind of, uh, well, there's two that comes to mind. I mean, with in high school, especially in AAU, but with Ty, Ty Rogers, uh, we had a great connection. Um, I mean, it was just easy to play with him because he's like such a great passer. He's unselfish and he's so athletic too, where we had some great alley-oops. I think one game we combined for like, or, not combined because I didn't dunk it, but we had like six or seven alley oops in one game. Like it was just a connection that just comes from working hard together, and then it was awesome, and we were able to win the state title together. And then uh, another one I'd say is Robbie Avila. He's at Indiana State right now. Uh, if you've never seen him, I'm sure you've seen him on some highlight reels. He's uh like six nine. He wears the goggles. Yeah, he can shoot the. But he plays like Nikola Jokic, and we had a great connection on the. Like a pick and pop, you know, I'd drive it, just kind of hook pass it back to him, and he'd knock down the three. And uh, we had a really good connection with that Mean Streets team. And uh, and seeing his success at the college level has been really cool. Oh, um, so, uh, when we go back to the state of Michigan, when people talk about the dominating areas, it's, it's Grand Rapids, it's Detroit, it's not really the Grand Blank Saginaw area. So, d- did you guys kind of have a chip on your shoulder, especially going against some of these bigger schools? Who were the Grand Rapids and the Detroits, who a lot of people always pick to be the state champions and the favorites? Is that kind of an extra chip on your shoulder to kind of prove your area? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we always thought like Flint and Saginaw in our area never really like got a whole ton of credit, like with like all the Detroit news and everything like that. But uh, it was a chip on our shoulder for sure because we know how it is. We we kind of felt like, you know, we're not from Detroit. We have to earn it. You know, what I mean, like we have to real prove everyone everyone wrong. But uh. But yeah, I guess that's a little extra fuel. But at the end of the day, you know, we're always like more worried about us, you know. Yeah. But, so, yeah. all right, last question before I get you out of here. Mm-hmm. I always ask kind of whatever's going on now. So, obviously, NBA t- NBA playoffs going on now. Who you got in the finals? Dude, uh, I, I just love where the NBA is at right now. There's so much parity and there's so much good teams. Um, in the in the East, I'm probably rocking with the Bucks. I'm not saying what I think will happen, but that's probably who I'm rocking with. Them or the yeah. Celtics. But in the West, dude, I don't know. I'd like to see the, like to see the Warriors just because uh, – but I like the Kings, too. I think the winner of this Warriors-Kings series is who I'm rocking with. So, yeah. This, so I, I mean, it's I, been I, a fun a Bucks, series so far. A Bucks, a Bucks-Kings series would be pretty cool to me. But yeah. at the end of the day, there's so much stars right now, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I was just talking about – I mean, it's – feels like forever ago we were talking about the Cavs Warriors every single year and now we have I mean it feels like we have six teams from like each divi- like each conference that could almost make a run so yeah, yeah. It's, it's thanks for giving fun, me the yeah. time RJ Taylor he will be playing at Northern Iowa this upcoming season uh it, it's just been cool to obviously watch you grow up playing with my brother mm-hmm. from little RJ to now being able to be a state champion and now being a division one player, it's just a really cool thing to be able to see.
Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no problem. So this was RJ Taylor, and we'll be back on the Case Conley Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the Case Conley Podcast. And we were able to see the game two of each playoff series in the NBA. And on Monday night, we saw the Sixers continue their dominance with a 96-84 win over the Nets. And again, just the better team. The the Sixers play a lot better defense, I will say. Only 31% from three, which is what Brooklyn wants to do. Cam Cam Johnson... And Michael Bridges are really proving why Brooklyn needed them in that trade for KD because they've been spectacular. And Cam Johnson, especially, he had 28 in game two. And these versatile wings that can play offense and defense, it's really what the league is pushing to. And it's why they wanted those two dominant players. Still just a young Brooklyn team. The Sixers played well. Tyrese Maxey was the star this time, 33 points. And beat only 20, but 19 rebounds to go with it. Another good performance by the Sixers. Just keep playing this game. Keep playing their game. Focus on Embiid. Harden struggled in this one, but the the one luxury that they have is you know what you're going to get from Embiid every night. And you just got to hope that Tobias, Maxi, and Harden, two of those three guys play well. And that's what they happen with Tobias having 20 and 12 to go with Maxi's 33. And the beam, I picked the Kings to advance over the Golden State Warriors, and they won game two, 114-106. Another great performance by the Kings, led by Aaron Fox, who had 24 and had some big ones when it mattered. Malik Monk, another 18 off the bench. Davion Mitchell, rookie from Baylor, hit some huge shots. The story of this game was the Draymond Green ejection, and now we know suspension for game three, which is Thursday night. and. I think it warranted an ejection and a suspension. I mean, he clearly stomped on him on Sabonis's chest after Sabonis grabbed his ankle, which I, I understood. I saw Sabonis did, but it's it's kind of weird to me that Golden State, and we see their front office coming out and saying Sabonis, the exact words were using the ball as a weapon. And obviously it's been a physical series and they've let some stuff go. And you see people all complaining about it, but it's basketball and you 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 figure out how to play with that. Golden State, especially Draymond of all people, should have known, oh, if that's how they're going to let us play, let's be more physical. And, and I think the other point that has to be, that's kind of forgotten out of this is Sabonis has been in foul trouble both games. I mean, he ended game two with five fouls. So it's not like they're just calling nothing uh, nothing for Golden State. I mean, I, that is clearly the opposite. I mean, they both had 20... 26 and 25 fouls individually. So in game two, I don't see this argument that they're not giving Golden State any calls. I don't really understand that, to be completely honest with you. In the first game, I mean, 25 and 23 in fouls. I mean, very similar foul count. Both teams have been playing very physical. I I just hate to see the excuses. But yes, the Draymond Green suspension and ejection completely warranted my opinion. I'm happy the league stepped up. I didn't think the league would actually suspend him. I, I think it was a good decision by the league. Tuesday night, we saw some more of the game twos. We saw Boston, Cleveland, and Phoenix, all the home teams, win their game two games. 
all of them by double digits as well. And I, the, the one I was most prefer, most impressed with was the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I, I think they kind of shorted themselves in game one. I thought they had a really good chance to win that game. And just offensive rebounds that they didn't get did not go their way. They stepped up, and uh, the big guy was Darius Garland. He had the lowest assist total that he had all year. He had one of the worst games of the season. He bounced back with 32 tonight. Donovan Mitchell, 13 assists. I think he decided, you know what? I don't need to take as many shots as I did in the last one. He took 30 in game one, only 11 in game two. Paris LeVert shot well off the bench. This was a much better performance. Evan Mobley, 13 and 13, 6 of 11 shooting. A much more complete game by Cleveland, which I think was very important. Brunson struggled to score, and you know scoring can just be an issue for these Knicks teams sometimes. Julius Randle uh, didn't play a bad game, twenty-two and eight on eight of twenty shooting. Good performance for Cleveland. This game three is going to be a big game. I actually think Cleveland will win this game three, but huge game for the Knicks coming back home. They they're going to need a lot more from RJ Barrett than what he's been able to give them the first two games. Game two, four of 13, 14 points. He's got to be more efficient than that. Just got to be better. I think the Suns played well too. The book Durant finally played well together. Booker with 38 tonight. Good performance. It is just the, this Clippers team is just there's not a lot there outside of Kawhi who had 31 again. Outside of Westbrook who actually shot pretty well tonight with 28. Not enough scoring outside of that. I mean Norman Norman Powell and Eric Gordon are going to be huge players, but they cannot be going eight of 23. They can't do that. They they just got to do better than that. I just, the lack of scoring on this Clippers team really scares me. Kawhi Leonard will actually be out Thursday night in Game 3 in L.A. And on Wednesday, we saw the Nuggets persevere in the late game. The Bucks, without Giannis Antetokounmpo, tied the playoff three-point record after they hit 25 of them, including six from Connaughton and four from Grayson Allen and Drew Holiday on way to a 138-122 victory. Just no defense. I mean, it was just a tough night. For the Heat, you just got to play better defense. They played, they they shot the ball fantastic. You just got to play way better defense. And the biggest one was the Memphis Grizzlies without no John Morant. A 10-point victory of the Los Angeles Lakers. And the main thing was what was made of post-game by Dylan Brooks. Calling LeBron old, saying he wished he'd face the old LeBron. And the issue that I see with this Grizzlies team is, A, I just don't like the way that they talk when they win and they don't talk when they lose. That's something that I really don't like about them. But it was a great performance, and it was Xavier Tillman, the Michigan State boys. Honestly, Xavier Tillman at 22 and 13, his best playoff performance, maybe his best game as NBA player. Jaron Jackson, 18 and 9, solid performances. Essen Bain did struggle from the field, but some of those role players stepped up. Tyus Jones didn't shoot well from behind the arc, but 10, 8, and 6, big performance. Luke Kennard hit three threes, big threes too. So this Memphis team is starting to, find their own and, and an interesting statistic about them is they play just as well with jaw as without jaw. So obviously we don't know Jaw's status heading into this next game with a hand injury, but they should look pretty good without him. And Thursday night, Thursday night's game. I'm taking a look at, I think the Sixers will get it done. Expect them to, uh, I expect Golden State to bounce back. Once again, this Kings team is feisty though, but Golden State at home back in while they should bounce back. Game I'm most excited for will be Saturday night. The Grizzlies-Lakers game three. I cannot wait for that one. We got some good series going. And obviously, we needed to see some good performances. We need to see how people are playing. Obviously, the Clippers now with Y injury, sprained knee. That's going to be an issue for them. We'll see how they do 
game three and game four this weekend. Looks like he might be without them in both of those games. Obviously, still without Paul George. Suns got to take advantage of those. Suns got to go up 3-1. They really want a good chance, just like saw some teams miss their advantage. I think that was kind of the biggest name of the game we've seen the last couple of days is missing your advantage when you have injuries. The Heat had a chance. Of course, they stole game one, but had a chance without Giannis. Couldn't, couldn't win that game. The Lakers had the Grizzlies with no jock. Couldn't win that one. So uh, taking advantage of situations is massively important in the playoffs. And the Kings have another opportunity of again on Thursday night. No, no Draymond Green. Another huge chance for them, even though they're in Golden State. Huge chance for them. I think that's the one main thing that I've really been paying attention to in the NBA is these missed opportunities, and they're going to come back to start biting teams once, especially these players get healthy. And as as long as this Phoenix LA series goes, that if you can get any chance of Paul George returning, obviously that's a shot for this Los Angeles Clippers team. But we had a great podcast today. Great episode. RJ Taylor, great player at Grand Blank, will be a great college player in Northern Iowa. Next week, we're going to talk NFL draft on Tuesday. Huge NFL draft starts Thursday night. Huge as we prepare for that. We'll also keep talking NBA playoffs. It's the main playoffs that we're watching right now. We'll tune in a little bit on the NHL as well. We'll give a little up, update on those games as those series just got underway earlier this week as well. Thanks for listening to us. Again, follow the podcast accounts on Twitter and Instagram at Case Conley Podcast. Tuesdays and Friday mornings is when we upload. Thanks for joining me for another episode, and I'll see you next time.